Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on CAST. I'm your host Brian Jura and we're going to talk minor league baseball tonight and that means we're joined by our minor league expert David Groveman. David, thanks for joining us. Not a problem. Happy to be here. Well, we're going to talk about the minor leagues, but let's talk about, uh, let's start off talking about uh, a guy who was just promoted from the minor leagues, and that's uh, Jeff McNeil. You've been watching him for years. Where do you think his role on the 2019 Mets will be? I think his role in 2019 hangs in the last months of this season, but it's certainly tantalizing to think about how much uh, Jeff McNeil could give the team if 2018 proves to be the real Jeff McNeil moving forward. Uh, I read an interesting piece uh, by Matt Cerrone on him where it pointed out that he's definitely a low ball hitter and it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to the higher strikes in the zone um, just to prove that he can, can be a good hitter once pitchers adjust to his initial scouting reports. Now, I have to say that I was really surprised with the the power that McNeil has shown this year. And I know that I saw him hit an upper deck shot here in the majors. Um, were you surprised by by this newfound power? I, I certainly wasn't predicting any of this power. I Based upon what I had seen before his injuries, I assumed he was going to be a contact hitter who would eventually be a useful bench piece. And he showed up this year, apparently spending the time during his injury bulking up and working on uh, being able to to make better line drive connections with the uh, the ball and it's really it's it's proven to to have worked so far um, there's always that lingering doubt in the back of your mind of, of uh, steroid use or, or human growth hormone but hopefully this is just you know what what hard work and uh, effort can do I saw an interesting quote from Mickey Calloway, who also seemed to be taken off guard by what um, uh, what McNeil has given the club so far. And he, he, I forget the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, wow, he might even be a piece for 2019. Like that thought had never entered his head previously. Um, so uh, Calloway certainly seems to be playing him more so than, say, Luis Guillorme. So uh, there's got to be something there, right? I would agree with you, and if you recall our conversations from earlier this year when we started seeing those numbers jump out at us, uh, we were we were thinking, well, you know, McNeil is doing really well right now, but in the end, he's still a bench player. And at a certain point, I had to escalate from, you know, he's he's going to be a a bench player to he's going to be a good bench player to maybe this guy can be the starting second baseman for the Mets, and not only that, produce a solid WAR for the Mets at second base because he's hitting enough that he could be a, a top second baseman right now. So there's a possibility he could be the starting second baseman for the club next year, and it means he could be starting next to one of your guys, and that's Peter Alonso, a, a guy you've uh, consistently been high on, and after a, a, a little rough patch in AAA, Alonso is raking again. So do you think we're going to see an, an Alonso uh, McNeil uh, right side of the infield in 2019? So I don't, and it makes me mad, because I think the Mets are going to do one of their silly uh, let's keep Alonzo from reaching Super 2 status and putting Bruce and Smith at first base and just really sort of wasting wasting time uh, until Cespedes recovers from his myriad of injuries. Uh, the fact is if the Mets wanted to put their best team forward, it's going to be a lot of homegrown talent. 
you know, from from Michael Conforto to Brandon Nimmo to Ahmed Rosario to Peter Alonso, you just I I can't see the Mets doing that to start the year. I I I think it's the right thing to do, and I don't think they'll do it. Since you brought him up, let's talk about uh, Dominic Smith here for just a second. Uh, certainly, I was in favor of Smith starting the the season 2018 here with the Mets, and of course, that's not the way that the the Mets went. And then it's not like Smith has actually forced his way onto the team. So, in hindsight, was it the right decision not to to start this year with Smith as the first baseman? I don't. I think that when you didn't start with Smith as the first baseman, which was a little bit uh, forced by his injury in spring training. It, it took a player whose confidence was already partly shaken and basically said this team does not have faith in you. Uh, the management doesn't think that you have what it takes right now. I think he really could have used that shot of confidence that he could have started the season right away in the majors. I think that at this point the Mets are really looking at what kind of reclamation project they can start with him. I think the idea next year right now is to send him down to AAA and have him figure out left field for, for good because I don't think that they have it in their in their mindset at all to have him play first base moving forward for them. Wow. Um, and it's not like the outfield uh, gives him a, a clearer path since there's uh, at least four or five people ahead of him uh, in that, and it's not like he can play center field. So uh, I, I feel for Dominic Smith. You know, the guy was a, a first-round pick and then got a, a tiny bit of a chance and, and then seems like he's been shuffled aside. But let's transition and talk about another first-round pick, and that's Justin Dunn, who has had such a terrific bounce-back season after last year's disappointment. So do you think he's done, done enough this year to be um, considered in the, the Mets' uh, plans going forward? I think Dunn should be on the radar as a starter again. I think that his uh, rotation mate currently, Franklin Colomb, is probably destined to relieve. But Dunn right now looks like he has the repertoire of a starting pitcher. He looks like he's, he's got the length. He's given me that, that look that he can get deep enough into games. Even, even in times that he was uh, struggling a little bit this year, he was still giving us six innings pretty regularly. And I think that um, next year you'll see him move up to Syracuse, which is going to be a big help to the Met pitching uh, as it progresses because it's no longer you go from AA into the PCL in Las Vegas where your ERA and your whip are just going to go bonkers. Now, I still am a bit troubled by the walk rate. And I know that it's better than it was in 2017, but I, I still think it's higher than than it should be. And I have to say, I'm I'm a little uh, I'm a little bearish on on Dunn's chances of being a, a starter uh, for the Mets in in the long term. And you might be right on that. I think that long term he could end up switching to relief full time, but it's one of those things where he's done enough this year that you need to put him back into that sort of depth chart as starting pitchers you know it's it's entirely possible that by the end of 2019 he's starting games for the Mets I think that the plan for him and the the right plan for him is to promote him to AAA where you'll you'll once again be in um, in the International League uh, instead of the PCL so it's it's a much more normal league for pitchers 
and you'll see what he can do against another level of hitters. Well, let's talk about uh, the Mets' top prospect, and that's uh, Andres Jimenez, who went from surviving in a, in a full-season league last year to thriving at two higher levels here in 2018. And I just can't help but shaking the feeling that we're not impressed enough with what he's done this season. What do you think? All right, I, I have a, a theory. Uh, mind you, it's only a theory of why we're not being too overly impressed with Jimenez. And I think the reason that we are, are being... Uh, bearish on him is because of Rosario, because we were all so bullish on Rosario getting to the majors and being that number one prospect that, that we were promised by Baseball America. And Jimenez, in many ways, has come on stronger and faster than Rosario did. We should be 100% impressed and completely enthusiastic about him. And for whatever reason, he's sort of getting passed over for attention. It's not necessarily a bad thing, mind you. You know, if if he's not going to be ranked in the top 25 prospects by Baseball America and just going to continue to produce to these levels, I'm fine with that. I just want him to produce to these levels. The, the Mets farm system took so much uh, grief, uh, so much abuse from, from people, and Jimenez was the, the top prospect and some some lists he was at the very bottom of the top 100 other lists he didn't make it at all and then now he's on these updated lists he seems to be in that 50 to 60 range and to me that's a a, a terrific step forward and uh, I feel a whole lot better about him now than uh, than I did at the start of the season and and just curious why other Mets fans aren't uh, getting their their hopes up uh, about him too but perhaps you hit it on the head perhaps it's all uh, Rosario backlash it could be I I just think that when all is said and done uh, the Mets are going to uh, potentially have by the end of 2019 another shortstop that is very much capable of pushing Ahmed Rosario, even if he starts hitting to his full potential, pushing him off of the shortstop position. From everything that I have read and seen, Jimenez seems like the better defensive shortstop. So I could see uh, him pushing, maybe not by the end of 2019, but by 2020 I could see him being the starting shortstop and Rosario being moved to third base or as the Mets are inanely uh, suggesting center field. <laughs> well, I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. We'll discuss that uh, on some later podcast. But I want to talk about the uh, the Mets' uh, top uh, draft pick uh, this year, and that's uh, Jared Kelnick, who uh, was assigned to the, the Gulf Coast League, the, the lowest league uh, here in the U.S., and absolutely dominated. And then he got uh, a promotion to Kingsport, which is, I think, fairly rare for uh, first-round picks for the Mets to, to jump uh, another level. Um, and then he, he hit right away, struggled mightily, and now seems to be breaking out of it again. So what are your thoughts on uh, Kelnick? Well, I think that uh, I let my excitement for, for his uh, initial breakout run away with, uh, with itself. I was, I was very hot on Kelnick, um, and, and probably prematurely. He is fantastic. I can't recall a prospect being drafted by the Mets and having this much of an initial success. Uh, part of that is because a lot of the top picks by the Mets get buried to the point where you only see them in like five at-bats in their first year. 
So uh, it was really great to see him get such a, a, a show where he got to play in the Gulf Coast and then got to play in Kingsport that it seemed to force the Mets into allowing this kid to play early on. And um, if it is, in fact, that he has learned to take that next step in Kingsport um, and, and has dealt with whatever was causing him to struggle, I think that that is, is going to be tremendous. Uh, and it's really a question of where he could end up next year. I have him slated to uh, headline the Brooklyn team, but uh, it's still an outside chance, I guess, that you could see the Mets... Uh, wanting to, to give him some full season uh, looks, being that he's been able to jump into uh, playing baseball so quickly. I'm going to tell a little uh, story on myself so that you and all the listeners can have a good laugh. I think the uh, the last time that I was really excited about somebody that the Mets drafted, it wasn't a first-round pick. It was actually a fourth-round pick, and uh, that was when they took Greg Vaughn, and, and Vaughn went to Brooklyn, which is, is not the best offensive uh, environment for hitters. And I forget the exact number. He hit somewhere around 12, 14 home runs for Brooklyn. And, uh, boy, I, I was on that bandwagon. I was driving the train, and uh, I think I immediately drove it into a cliff. So I, I hope I'm not going to do the same thing here with Kelnick. I, I, I seem to recall the same sort of feeling, maybe not uh, as, as strongly as that, but I certainly uh, do remember that prospect and being excited about him. But uh, I, I think that with Kelnick, uh, there's a little bit more reality to what we're seeing than uh, just a, a hot start. I think the scouting backs it up a little bit better. Another uh, recent addition to the Mets system uh, is uh, Ronnie Mauricio, and he was the club's uh, big international signing in 2017 signed as a 16-year-old, and, and this year as a 17-year-old, he's he come to this country, uh, for the most part, bypassing the DSL, which is a, a bit unusual, and, and he's doing quite well. Um, what, what are your thoughts on his progression? So, so many international prospects take a lot of time to develop. If you recall how long Wilmer Flores took to develop, there was just, he was in the, the system for so long that people had assumed well, he's been here for so long that he must not be any good. And Wilmer Flores at that point was still only 22 years old. And it's like, why are you giving up on a 22-year-old? He's, he's just started really young. Ronnie Mauricio started really young and came in playing amazingly. Uh, I'm going to have a immensely hard time ranking him outside of the organization's top five prospects. I think that his season, um, you know, Based on expectations, if you had to give grades, his season has been the most positive ahead of, of uh, expectations after Jeff McNeil, who simply defied all possibilities. I think Ronnie Mauricio, I had expected him to maybe hit a little at the end of the year, but definitely show signs of being young and overmatched, and he just hasn't. He's shown power. He's shown... Uh, much more poised than a number of players on the team. His strikeout rate is not nearly as, as high as other players. The one thing that he does not seem to have yet is the ability to take a walk very often, but that can come in time. We can, we can, we can hopefully teach a player to show uh, better uh, patience at the plate. One of the favorite things that, that I found out about him is in his first 34 games played, he reached base safely in 32 of them. 
and 30 of those were because he had hits. So um, he uh, he came out uh, just stinging the ball. And th this is playing with uh, guys who were three, four years older than him and uh, making the jump to, to this uh, country uh, where I'm, I'm assuming English is not his first language and, and you never know how the, the people are going to handle, uh, the international kids are going to handle being thrown into the, into the U.S. environment and the fact that he seems to have thrived uh, is, is just thrilling. One other uh, a fun little tidbit on Mauricio, it, it, it might have been around that 30 game mark where he was still averaging an extra base hit every other game. He, wow. he he had a lot of doubles, a lot of triples, and a couple home runs, and it, it was just it was very impressive for someone that young. So we've been talking uh, mostly about uh, hitting, so let's talk uh, a little bit more about pitching now. And I wanted to ask you about uh, two lefties that the the club had uh, big hopes for coming into the season, and and those are Anthony Kay and David Peterson. What do you think of the years that they are having so far? So they've, they've sort of had these odd inverse years where David Peterson uh, started the year in Columbia and he was pitching in a league that was, it, it just seemed like it was beneath his talent level uh, in every way possible. He obliterated uh, low A and, you know, he, he earned that promotion to Port St. Lucie. And when he got to Port St. Lucie, he was challenged. And he seems like he's, he's starting to get his footing back a little bit in Port St. Lucie, but he certainly was challenged in his first taste of advanced day. Um, whereas you have Anthony Kay, who it's his first time back from injury in a long time. He struggled for a while in Columbia. Uh, wasn't really until Peterson got promoted that he started pitching particularly well there. He got promoted as well, and since he was promoted to Port St. Lucie, Anthony Kay's been great. So right now you have two pitchers that I would both I would start both of them in 2019 again in Port St. Lucie with the mindset that if they can prove themselves once again at the beginning of the season that they are in in line for potential uh, early midseason call-ups. You know, we saw Justin Dunn struggle when he uh, was in uh, high A and the Mets did exactly what you proposed there. They, they sent him back, and uh, he got the, the mid-year promotion. So it certainly wouldn't surprise me if they do the, the same thing with uh, both Kay and Peterson. Um, Although I will uh, point out Peterson's struggles are nowhere near as bad as Dunn's. Right, right. Um, but you seem to be a, a little more bullish on, on what both of them did, and, and I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I, I still have nagging disappointment, I guess, about both of them. Um, perhaps my expectations were, were out of whack, but I'm, I'm just not thrilled with what we've seen from them. Am, am I, I just wrong here? Well, I mean, if you look at David Peterson's numbers in advance day, you're not wrong. He has been disappointing. Um, you know, his, his last start was a step in the right direction, only two earned runs, only one walk, six strikeouts in six innings. That's what you want to see. But if you look at his numbers in Columbia, he had a 1.82 ERA in 59.1 innings. And during that time, he had a whip under one and kept the opponents uh, to a batting average of 214. That's exactly what type of stuff you want to see from a, a ace caliber starting pitcher you just didn't see that once he moved up to advanced day 
with Anthony Kay, what you're seeing from him in Advanced Day, it's not that it's it's super phenomenal uh, levels of success, but what you are seeing is that he has made the transition and sort of made it a little bit more smoothly. He's had less of those uh, heavy blips in uh, Advanced Day, though his walk rate has uh, spiked slightly since he's gotten that promotion. All right, it's crazy prediction time. I'm going to give you a crazy prediction and then ask you to comment on it. And then uh, after that, I'll ask you to give me a crazy prediction. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, so my crazy prediction is that um, not, um, not this year, but um, uh, or this off season, but the following off season. So we're talking between the 2019 and 2020 seasons that Hansel Moreno will be a top 10 prospect. So I want to know, how crazy is that? I mean, it's it's ambitious. Uh, I like Hansel Moreno. I think he's, he's one of the most athletic guys in the Mets system. So it's certainly within the realm of possibility. Uh, but two years for Hansel Moreno to make that much of a leap uh, in the prospect echelon would be, uh, would be quite a step. It can happen because, you know, he's, he's on the doorstep of advanced day where players really prove themselves. So um, it's, it's not the craziest thing, but it's, it's ambitious. Ambitious. All right. All right. Well, show me what a crazy prediction looks like. All right. I'm not doing anything with Tebow this time because uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to touch that this time. Uh, instead, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go with a downer. Um, I actually predict that the Mets are going to trade Peter Alonso for other positions of need rather than allowing him to get even a chance as their starting first baseman of the future because they have all of this money tied into Ioannis Espedes and they are committed to getting something from that money. So that means Ioannis Espedes is your first baseman and David Peterson oh, and, uh, and uh, Peter Alonso who has no other position is is just going to be the victim of that which i mean you know we should get something via trade but it, it certainly doesn't make me happy well you're right that's definitely a downer um a couple of uh weeks ago on on this segment my crazy prediction was that the the mets were going to trade michael conforto uh probably along those same lines of of what you were thinking here with alonzo um, just for the fact that there's there's too many people at, at one position and you've got to give something to get something. And uh, not that I wanted to see Conforto traded, but, you know, you can see the, the logic for it. Uh, the, the same thing, I guess, with Alonzo. Um, um, I, 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 I see the logic. I see where you're coming from. I just think that the, the Mets have a little too much invested in Alonzo for that to happen. And, you know, maybe maybe it's not Conforto. Maybe it's not Alonzo. Maybe it's Brandon Nimmo. But um, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if uh, a new person comes in and then does make a, a trade of uh, a, a big homegrown piece like that. Yeah, uh, certainly not a player that I want to part with. As as you are aware, I, I am a big Peter Alonso fan. I think he's going to be a good major league hitter. I just I see this as the Mets trying to to make the most of their dollars and cents. And even if it doesn't make the most baseball sense out of you know 
fielding the best team possible. It, you know, they're trying to make something of their investments. So ultimately, I guess I give you a half crazy because I think the, the half crazy part is that they would trade Alonzo specifically, but the not the not so crazy part would be the fact that uh, they've got too many players at the 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 outfield first base position, and something's got to give. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if one of those got uh, uh, one of those players got dealt. But uh, anyway, let's uh, talk about another guy. I guess we were talking earlier about um, uh, Mets draft picks in their initial year, getting me stoked, and I uh, should have mentioned Mark Vientos then because uh, I had him ranked number two coming into this year. So certainly I was as high on him as I was on uh, on Mr. Vaughn. So hopefully this one turns out better. But Vientos, the past two weeks has just been insane, yeah. hitting everything in sight. Uh, do you think he gets a late call to Brooklyn? Uh, he he could. If I'm in charge of the team, um, I don't really see the benefit of a late call within short season um, levels unless you have a situation where Kingsport is not going to be uh, competing in the playoffs for the Appalachian League and Brooklyn is going to be in the New York Penn League playoffs. Getting him that experience of that higher level of excitement for games would be very very good um and and just so everyone uh who's who's listening is aware over the last 10 games uh you have mark vientos hitting 438 with a stolen base only seven uh strikeouts five walks eight rbis three home runs he's he's really been on fire one one thing i want to talk about is just my own personal belief and the mets have three short season league teams and that's a little unusual. Most most organizations only have two. The Mets have three. It's great. They they can uh, sift through more prospects that way. And you have to give them a a hierarchy. And the Mets hierarchy clearly is the lowest one is the Gulf, the middle one is the uh, Appy, and the highest one is Brooklyn. But I don't think it necessarily has to be that way. Uh, I don't view going from um, the Appy to Brooklyn as anything major. Um, and I think you're probably right that they, they won't give Vientos a, a call un, unless there's a, a playoff possibility, and, and I think that there is. But you know, just it, it's not a, really a promotion; it's just a, a different assignment, I guess, if, if you will. And you, you have to give a hierarchy when you have multiple clubs. But I mean, I, I just don't see the the difference in in Kingsport and Brooklyn being huge. If you wanna, if you wanna give a distinction of why Brooklyn would be a promotion that would matter. Uh, the New York Penn League is a much harder league for hitters to hit in. Um, the the average uh, batting average and slugging percentage is just much lower in that league than in the Appalachian League. So if you promote Vientos and he is successful there, that really says something. Regardless of where he ends this season, I would like to see the Mets have him in full season baseball next year with the Columbia Fireflies. Last year, we saw such, um, uh, I guess, an explosion is the right word, of uh, offensive talent coming from Kingsport, players who put up stats. 
and Kingsport never really had the reputation I don't believe you can correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think it had a reputation as being a big hitter friendly place but then last year they had the Mets had all these hitters and then again this year the the Mets have uh, half a dozen people with uh, an OPS over 800 um, uh, so that's uh, a pretty nice thing to have uh, and and you're right that uh, they get to Brooklyn and the the hitting's not so easy there uh, the one, the one shining, uh, you know, shining example of someone who uh, hasn't really struggled out of that last pool of Kingsport players, just for people who are um, feeling doubtful about Vientos based upon the results of Kingsport's 2017 crop sort of fizzling in 2018. Wagner Lagrange has truly had a pretty good year for the Cyclones, which is a very good sign for the uh, the outfield prospect. All right, well, let's wrap it up with one last question here. And uh, we alluded to this earlier and that Baseball America uh, released its updated farm rankings. Coming into the year, the Mets were 27th in, in Baseball America's estimation. And now here in their midseason ranking, they have them at 19. Uh, what do you think of those rankings? Well, I think that the 27th ranking was probably fair given what we saw from a lot of the top prospects in the Mets organization last year um, the fact that we had resurgences from a number of players the fact that you had done uh, basically go from having a completely lost year in 2017 to re-establishing his prospect status in 2018 um, the the you know jumping uh, this many spots in the rankings is is great but I actually think that the Mets are probably one or two positions higher than 19 in my estimation. I think it's still that these these scouts are a little bit trepidatious about uh, buying in on some of these successes that the Mets had in 2018 because in a lot of ways the Mets farm system has had just a very up year. Um, you know, when I was putting together the the top prospect list during last offseason, I was having pretty significant trouble trying to establish any sort of rankings in the bottom bottom half of my, I think it was the top 30, because it was just sort of like, well, I know that they have some talent and could eventually produce again, but are they, you know, is uh, Urena going to be better than this person and, and, and so on? And I think this year doing a top 50 is going to be much more doable based upon the number of people who have had good seasons. I think the way that I put it when, when I put my top 50 together is that I was very comfortable with what my top 20 was. And, and of course, that comes with the, uh, the caveat that nobody knows how, how these things are going to shake out and they all look ridiculous five years from now but I, I liked my top 20 but then after that I think you could have swapped number 21 with number 50 and it wouldn't have looked out of place and just to give an example of that number 50 on my list was uh, Tony Dibrell who's uh, turned around and had a, a really wonderful campaign and, and probably will be in, in that 20-something range uh, on this year's list, if not higher. Yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could probably... Last year, as I, what I do when I'm, I'm going through my process is I look just at every single player, and I don't put any rankings down. I look at every single player, and I put any player 
that I am excited about them being in my farm system for any sort of minutia, I put them onto a list. And when I finished that first list of players, I had about 25 people. And this year, I'm pretty pretty sure I'm going to be where I need to be for a top uh, 50, where I'm going to have 60 to 75. I like the sound of that. Well, uh, David, I don't have any more questions for you, but is there anybody that you want to talk to before we go? Talk about before we go. Um, in terms of uh, players that, that we don't really talk about, um, although on Mets 360 we, we, we do seem to try and, and find time for everybody, I think a player that uh, is, is not being talked about or, or something that we talked about at the beginning of the year that just sort of never developed was the idea of that triple a rotation i had such high hopes for that triple a rotation that was going to feature oswald and flexin and and all of these these players that that we know have ended up being pulled into the majors for injuries um and I, really i don't know if it's las vegas or these players were 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 not as good as we we thought they were going to be you know some of them like oswald have shown us glimpses but that triple a rotation i i don't know i that that if anything is my disappointment for the year well conlin uh was not the type of pitcher who was gonna thrive in vegas we knew he had trouble in home run rate in double a so we knew that uh, that was going to be an issue in triple a um mickey janice was certainly a disappointment marcus molina certainly a disappointment i thought flexen was was good though um and but i think he's uh done for the year now so um uh, i i i acknowledge your larger point that there was uh, some disappointment for a rotation that we had high hopes for well thanks for uh, having us end this on a downer note there David. sorry about that all right well you can read david's uh weekly column on the miners at mets 360 published every monday uh any uh any thoughts on what we'll see i'm Is pretty it, sure uh, gonna we're gonna all... we're gonna we're gonna be talking about vientos this this week i haven't <laughs> i haven't focused on him uh and i think he certainly deserves it at this point uh absolutely i will look forward to seeing that uh thanks everyone for joining us and we'll see you again next time here on mets 360 here on cast good night <laughs>